But as Rosie said, we're starting a new series uh, this morning as we begin our journey through December, through Advent together, uh, towards Christmas. Uh, And something that the Lord really laid on my heart this year was the person of Mary. I think so often uh, this word will mean nothing to some some of you, but it will mean a lot to others. As non-conformists, we're often a bit nervous because the Catholic Church seemed to worship Mary, don't they? And we don't want to do that. We just want to worship God. But because of that, sometimes she doesn't quite get the attention that perhaps she deserves. So I want us this year uh, to learn from Mary. Uh, So we're going to turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. I'm going to start reading at verse uh, 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, we're going to come to Elizabeth in two weeks' time, uh, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was unable to conceive is in her six months, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Should we pray together for just a moment? Father God, we confess to you today that this is a very similar, uh, familiar moment for us. For a lot of us, we've heard this story so many times. And yet, Lord, as we stand in awe before you today, we recognize again the wonder that you, the Holy One, the Son of the Most High should be born not just among us, but as one of us. I thank you, Lord, that you are the God who comes near. You are the God who is with us now. And so, Lord, for each and every one of us today, would you deepen our sense of expectation? Would you deepen our sense of wonder? Would you deepen our faith? And in a busy season, for some of us, a busy weekend, maybe even a busy day, we just take a moment to breathe 
to recognize afresh, you are the God who comes. You are the God who wants to be known. The Son of the Most High among us, with us. And so, Lord, we can expect to hear from you. We can expect to know you in this place. Lord, for some of us, that might mean breathing out years of a lack of expectation <coughs> or a lack of listening or a lack of looking. But Lord, as we begin this journey together, help us to breathe in afresh the hope and the wonder, the expectation and the faith. We thank you, Lord, that you still come and that you still speak and that you still move. So we invite you today, here in this place, into our hearts and lives, would you speak afresh? And might we breathe you in? Might we know you here? In Jesus' name, amen. So what to expect when you're expecting? Uh, when I first started training for ministry, I went up to uh, Spurgeon's College in London and met a whole bunch of fascinating people there, ministerial kind of student types and academic types and people from the college as well. And one couple that myself and, and Amy uh, got close to uh, from the college uh, was actually the chef. No surprise that I should get close to the chef. Uh, and his wife who worked in the reception there. Uh, and they were just this gorgeous couple. They were just so much fun. Uh, they were so welcoming. Um, I remember one day, actually, when uh, he led college prayers. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, just this very real person, very real heart for God. And, and uh, we got very fond of them. One time uh, when we were up there, they were telling us of one thing that they'd like to do when they first got together. Uh, didn't have a lot of money. And so what they used to do on dates was to go to Ikea. Uh, and to buy Ikea hot dogs. This guy's a chef, so obviously Ikea hot dogs are a higher standard than I thought. Uh, and an Ikea ice cream. Uh, and then they used to go to the car park at Ikea uh, and sit and watch people coming out of Ikea with boxes that they just bought for their home, desperately trying to fit them uh, into cars which are far too small for the boxes that they've just bought and kind of laughing as people drive off at like, you know, two miles an hour with their boot open and with their head down because something's uh, resting over their head. Uh, and it's true, isn't it, sometimes in life we can think we've got more capacity than we've actually got. And sometimes you can be given something and just think, now where <laughs> am I going to put that? How do, I, how do I carry that? How do I take that home? How do I live with that? And then in some ways, that's the question I want us to come to as we come to this person of Mary this morning, and as we come to this season. Mary in, these, in this passage is given a huge calling, a huge vision now for the rest of her life. Uh, we don't know much about her. Luke introduces us uh, to her in, in three ways. Uh, he tells us that she's young. He tells us her name. and she, He tells us that she's unmarried, that she's a virgin. So effectively, we know her name, age, and relationship status. That's all we know uh, about this person. 
nothing before. Of course, we learn a lot about her through the coming and the life and the ministry of Jesus. But as far as we know, we're given no other indication this is an ordinary person. Could have been anyone. And the, the angel comes to her. Suddenly, again, we're given no details about where it was. Uh, in, in, interestingly, in this same chapter, there's a, a, an old priest uh, who is in the temple, which is kind of the place you'd expect uh, to meet an angel, right? Kind of the kind of person you'd expect. If, if anyone was going to have a chat with an angel, well, of course, a priest in the temple was going to. But this is a young, unmarried woman, as far as we know, on her own, as far as we know, on an, in an ordinary place. And God sends to her the angel Gabriel. So suddenly her normal, everyday life is interrupted with this spiritual presence, this spiritual being. He says, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Uh, and Luke records for us uh, her reaction to that. So this is slowed down. Could you push it on? And one more for me, please. Luke records for us her reaction. Now, again, some of us will have heard these words in carol concerts, nativity plays, churches a lot. And uh, it kind of, it, it's a kind of a nice, neat, tidied-up version of her reaction. Luke says, Mary was greatly troubled uh, by his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. If you know much about the Greek language, just a glance at those words tells you that's probably not what's going on. So the words greatly troubled. The word trouble here means literally to be shaken. Uh, you may have heard people use the phrase as something troubled the waters, as something stirred up the waters. Uh, there is this agitation within her. Something has been shaken up, and not just a little bit, She's greatly agitated by this. The first thing she feels is fear. What to expect when you're expecting? Or fear, for one. And then this word, which inter interestingly in the Greek starts with the same uh, first three letters, and she pondered. Now, again, this does not mean to sit there and scratch your chin and wonder, you know, kind of what's going on. It means to be thrown back and forth between two realities, and you could land on anyone. She's, she's been thrown into inner turmoil emotionally and intellectually. Her mind and her heart uh, is shaken by this. She's confused by this moment. What to expect when you're expecting fear and confusion. And so the angel speaks into this moment and says, do not be afraid. How many times do we hear angels say that to people? Do not be afraid. Kind of makes me think about if you were trying to, I don't know, rescue a tiny animal who's petrified by this big human coming towards. Don't be afraid. Yes, I'm more powerful. Yes, I'm bigger, but I'm not here to harm you. Don't, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. And then if she wasn't <laughs> as fearful enough or confused enough, these words begin to flow direct from the throne, direct from heaven. You're going to conceive. Give birth to a son. And not just another life, not just another person. He will be great. 
a word that is used of no human being anywhere in the scriptures. This is a divine word. This is a worship word. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. If these words are meant to comfort Mary, I'm not sure. I'm not sure they would. Confusion and fear. You're going to give him the name Jesus. He will sit on the throne of his father David and reign over their descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. The Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. That's why there's no earthly father. And of course, for Mary, like for all of us, the mind is spinning. The, the spirit is searching for, for somewhere to land. And she asks, how will this be? Mary asks the angel. So there's fear. There's confusion. And now there are questions as well. How, how is this going to happen? And Mary's first reaction is, I can't possibly do this. This can't possibly be what I can do. For one thing, Mary is unmarried. She's a virgin at this point. I can't conceive a child. So how? How on earth is this going to come about? So, what to expect when you're expecting? Well, there's certainly fear. There's certainly confusion. And there's certainly questions. Has anyone here ever asked the Lord a question? Ever asked why something is happening or what they should do about a certain scenario? Just come to the Lord with that huge sense of, I just need to know what to do. I just need to do, know what to do with my day. I just need to know what to do with this season. I just need to know what to do with the rest of my life. Would you give me your vision? That's a dangerous question to ask. Because very often there's more questions, and there's more confusion, and there's more fear. If you really want to know what the Lord is saying, if you really want to know what to expect when you're expecting God, then these three things are perfectly normal. <laughs> How many people does the Lord come to in the Scriptures and greet them in, in some way, whether it's by an angel or a burning bush or his presence or in any kind of way and say to them, what I'd really love you to do is carry on on the trajectory that you're on for the rest of your life. Don't change a thing. I've yet to discover that chapter and verse. Very often what I'd like him to say to me, <laughs> but I've yet to discover that. Being overwhelmed by what the Lord is calling us into is actually perfectly normal. I wonder how many people, when the Lord has spoken and called and, and breathed a promise uh, into a situation of thought, I can't do that. I, we sometimes pray for peace about something, don't we? Sometimes peace doesn't lie this side of obedience. Sometimes it lies the other side of obedience. Sometimes we wait for some sort of nice, neat, packaged feeling which isn't going to come here, and that's the whole point. And to be where God wants me to be, I have to move from where I am to there. There's a place in God, isn't there, that he's calling each and every one of us into calling us deeper. 
I wonder if you uh, could paint for us today what you imagine your perfect day as a Christian would look like, what you would paint for us, what you would imagine is possible for you, what you imagine God would want to do with a day if he had 24 hours with you. What would that look like? I wonder if we were to look at 24 hours in my life and yours, what it does actually look like, and the the difference, the distance between the two. See, the truth is, if I've got a vision of the Christian life that I can achieve on my own, then I've got the wrong vision. If I think that in my own strength and energy and effort, I can become like Jesus, then something has gone terribly wrong in my thinking. If I have a vision for what life in God is like that does not start with, God, I need you. And the thought of trying to do this without your Holy Spirit, then my vision is far too small. I love those times when, as leaders, we get together and have space to kind of breathe together and dream together and try and discern what the Holy Spirit might be saying. And then, of course, at some point, we have to weigh those, don't we, against trying to discern what is right. And we often try and look at budgets and resources and timescales and staff and all those kind of things and and weigh the two things up together. And usually, there's this sort of filtering process where something that was this becomes something that was this. And we do that all the time with God, don't we? I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. And then 20 years down the line, we look at the, what, the, what that's become and wonder, I don't think that's what I intended. I don't think that's what I sang. When I'm on a long journey uh, driving somewhere, I always get a little bit envious of those people that have cruise control uh, in their car and can take their foot off the pedal, especially now that we're all learning to drive at 20 miles an hour-ish uh, at the moment. <laughs> cruise, cruise control would be great. And it's so easy, isn't it, in the Christian life to take our foot off the pedal with God. It can happen for all kinds of reasons. He didn't quite do what I thought he was going to do, so I'm going to stop asking for that in the same way. Things didn't quite turn out the way I thought they would, and so we'll, we'll just steer in, in a different direction. It becomes so easy, can't it, to live this Christian life and kind of call in on God from time to time, but most of it we can get on with quite happily on our own. I remember a couple of years ago being quite struck when somebody asked the question, if the Holy Spirit was to leave the church, how much could carry on without any sense of his presence or power or anointing. Fear, confusion, questions are not just normal, they're necessary. So often God calls us out of ourselves and into the new. Remember a number of years ago, there was a song by uh, Natalie Grant uh, called Held. It was a very powerful song. Uh, that was actually the lyrics were written uh, by someone she'd known uh, who'd lost a baby at uh, two months old. And uh, some people here might know the pain uh, and the agony of that. 
Uh, and the song doesn't try to tidy any of that up. Uh, it doesn't try to make it okay or make it nice and neat. It, it deals with the, the hurt of that and the pain of that. And then in the chorus, there is this moment where she sings, and this is what it feels like to be held. When the sacred is torn from your life and you survive, this is what it's like to be loved and to know the promise was, when everything falls, you'll be held. As I was reading this passage again this morning and thinking about what it is to expect from God, to dream in God, to, to seek to grow and to go for God with fear and confusion and questions, there's one little phrase that is so easy to miss as you read through uh, this passage. The angel comes to her and says, Greetings. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. So yes, there's fear, but there's also the Lord's presence. Yes, there's confusion, but there's also God himself. Yes, there are questions. I'm not sure that the angel here particularly answers Mary's question in any sort of meaningful way, except that the Holy Spirit's going to do this. But the Lord is with you. There's a lovely phrase that this angel uses. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. It's a word that's used in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, for those angels on the Ark of the Covenant that cast their wings of gold over the Ark. The presence of God covering something. It can literally mean a shadow that's cast somewhere, or it can be, mean to be enveloped by a cloud. The, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, Mary, will envelop you, will cover you. Yes, there'll be fear. Yes, there'll be confusion. Yes, there'll be questions. The angel doesn't do anything. It strikes me as so, I don't know, interesting that the angel does nothing to warn Mary. Joseph's going to struggle to believe this. And then there's going to be a census, and you're going to have to get up and go. Oh, and then, by the way, King Herod's not going to be thrilled that your child's been born, and you're going to have to go and hide in Egypt for a couple of years. doesn't do anything to warn her about any of that, but what he does say is the power of the Most High will overshadow you. God's presence will be with you. And it's interesting, isn't it, how often when we come up against situations where there's struggle or uh, frustration or difficulty or limitation, suddenly that place that we're going to seems shaken. We ask the question, God, did you really call me into that? God, are you really saying this? Sometimes we can ask the Lord all kinds of questions, but sometimes answers are overrated versus the Lord is with you. There's been so many times when I've been asking the Lord for something or asking the Lord something or seeking freedom in, in something. And there are those times, aren't there, where we come into church and we're just heavy. There's just that sense of heaviness or inside us, there's just that sense of brokenness, like something that used to work isn't working anymore or something that we used to feel we don't feel anymore. And then as we worship together, there's something 
Sometimes it's the, the words of the song, or sometimes it's just being caught up in the praise of others. We need people here to worship, because if I do it on my own, it's limited, isn't it? But I'm inspired by the worship of others. I'm inspired when we catch up before the service about what's happening uh, in your life. I'm inspired by the people who, despite difficulty and danger and brokenness, still come here and still worship here together. Sometimes it's just the presence of God. Sometimes it's the anointing of the Spirit. But whatever it is in worship, I'm lifted and afterwards, I can take on the world. Nothing has changed. The situation I came from, I'm still going back to. But I'm reminded powerfully, the Lord is with me. And I can take that on now because the Lord is with me. Sometimes it's about knowing who's with us. So what to expect when we're expecting? Well, sometimes you have to expect fear. Sometimes you have to expect confusion. Sometimes you have to expect confusion. But you can always expect that the Lord will be with you. And sometimes there's nothing that unlocks that experience of his presence like obedience. Simply doing what he tells you to do just unlocks that awareness of his experience. I want us to have time to pray into this together before we come to the Lord's table this morning. Uh, but before we do, there's just one thing that, that struck me uh, this morning as I was looking at this passage. Uh, I love the original language. I love to study uh, the original language. And uh, there's a word that keeps coming up in this passage that we kind of lose uh, in our English translation. Um, it's the word grace. The word grace. Uh, so when the angel says to her, greetings... Literally in the Greek, uh, he's saying grace to you. Isn't that a great way to sort of say hello and hi this morning to someone? Grace to you. Uh, the angel here is, is gracing Mary. And then he says, you who are highly favored. And again, the word favor means to be graced by God. The grace of God is upon you. So instantly in this first uh, sentence, the angel has said, grace, you who are graced. Uh, then later on he says, do not be afraid, you have found favor with God. That means to discover, uh, to enjoy grace. And so in this passage alone, there are three times when the message from heaven is grace. Oh yeah, grace, and don't forget grace. Instantly, Mary is troubled by her reaction to the angel. It's overwhelming on all kinds of levels for her, physically, emotionally, spiritually. It's, it's, it's too much. And so then he says again, grace. And I wonder how often we're troubled in our lives because we fail to recognize the grace of God. I love that old hymn, All the way my Savior leads me, by his guiding hand I'm led. He says, he gives me grace for every trial. We'd love him to give us victory in every trial. But he gives us grace for every trial. And I wonder today if we just need to pause, maybe for some of us here, just for grace to catch up with us. Just to recognize grace. So would you bow, bow your heads with me this morning and let's just bring our hearts to God today.
maybe for some here today, there's been a promise that's been spoken over you that has come with a sense of confusion or questions or maybe even fear. And for some of us, all three and more. I want you to know today you're in good company. <coughs> and that heaven comes to speak grace over our fears, into our confusion, and through our questions. We thank you, Lord, that the greatest answer you give us to any question, to any issue, to any struggle, is yourself. The greatest gift that we have is your presence. Lord, would you forgive us that so often we rush on in our own effort, in our own energy, in our own strength. Would you forgive us those times when we've taken our foot off the pedal, Lord, and just cruised our relationship with you? Would you bring us, Lord, each and every one of us to that place where we just recognize afresh our need of you? And I just feel it's right to pray this morning that if there are old dreams that the Lord has planted that have been neglected, that, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, you just water them afresh today. You cause life to grow in places of wilderness, in places of dryness. That you cause hope to arise in places of despair. That you cause trust to arise in places of doubt. That you cause your presence to come in places where we've been isolated and alone. And that you'd lead us as a church together and each and every one of us into a place of expectation. And so, Lord, we just want to pause today to listen to you. And I just want to leave some time before we sing together and gather around this table. Holy Spirit, would you just draw near now? And let's just take a moment to simply sit and be and welcome his presence. Welcome his grace and seek to listen to his voice.
hundreds of years before this moment, the Spirit spoke through the prophet Isaiah and said that unto us a child will be born, and to us a son would be given, that the government would be on his shoulders, and that he would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. When this same angel spoke to Joseph, they said, give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So we thank you for your name. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Son of the Most High, Jesus, Savior, Emmanuel with us. We thank you for all that that name has come to mean, and we speak that name. We whisper your name today and receive afresh that grace that blows all fear away. Worship you, Jesus, our Emmanuel, our Savior. Let's stand together.